We are Power Crystals. Conversations with Jason Perez and Leah Garza. Getting cute. Critical and and metaphysical. Welcome back to We Are Power Crystals. My name is Jason. This is Leah. And today we want to share a beautiful interview we had with the artist and... Therapist, mutant... Mother mutant herself, Edgar Fabian Frias. It was a beautiful interview. We both have um, known Edgar now. I guess I've known Edgar for like a couple years. Not that long. Yeah, I've known Edgar for maybe about a year maybe half a year. But when I met Edgar, it was just like an instant click. We met through a mutual friend, Amanda Yates Garcia, Oracle of LA, introduced us and it was just a serendipitous connection and I just adore Edgar and I feel the adoration from Edgar toward me. This very equitable relationship and so... Yeah. How about you? How did you meet Edgar? I, Edgar put together an artist intensive at uh, La Meda Institute uh, last summer. And so I applied, got in, and got to share some beautiful sessions uh, coordinated by Edgar. Um, and it ended in a group art show. Uh, so through that process, I got to know Edgar as someone who's very thoughtful and welcoming and really shares love easily. Mm. And has such cool, crazy perspectives on on the power of magic and spells and nature and mutant consciousness, yeah. otherness. And all of that is totally reflected in their body of work, their art. Um, so we did an interview with Edgar. I want to just apologize in advance for the audio. <laughs> It's a little shaky, a little bit. It was done over Zoom, and also our neighbors are, like, remodeling their house, so you're going to hear some... You're going to hear the soundscape of the mean streets of East Hollywood in this interview, (laughs) but just enjoy it and just know that, like, this is... We're laboring to bring you the very best Power Crystal content. (laughs) It ain't easy, but we do it. It ain't easy. But yes, please... Please bear with us. Please listen, because it gets really, really good. Yeah. And this is, this is, Power Crystals is real life. It's our real life. And so this is a real, it's a real conversation. And it sounds real with all the audio hiccups and everything. And I love that perfect package of the realness. Yeah. Let our willingness to stick with this interview be a testament to how much we love Edgar. Yeah, we really do. Fighting through every technical difficulty, too. (laughs) To hear each other. Exactly. And share time with each other across space and time. Exactly. If you love Edgar, if you love Power Crystals, go to that iTunes rating and give us those five stars so that more Power Crystals can find us. Yeah. Tell your friends to listen to Power Crystals. Mm -hmm. Encourage them. If that doesn't work, shame them. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, But yeah, tell people that we're out here. We're listening. And we're sharing 
insight on how to be a power crystal. That's right. Enjoy this interview. We wanted to just start by um, asking you to like introduce yourself and kind of like, I guess, like, where are you living right now and why? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, so my name is Edgar Fabian Frias. Um, I am um, a healer. As you know, I do a lot of different things. I'm an artist, an organizer, and um, I am currently living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm participating in an artist residency here, the Tulsa Artist Fellowship, and um, as a visual artist. So I've never been in this part of the country. Um, I'm originally from Southern California. I grew up in the Inland Empire, um, but I've lived in different parts. Um, and then, you know, and the three of us met in Los Angeles where I was most recently at. So it's definitely been a shift and a change to be here, <laughs> to yeah. be in this part of the country. Yeah, yeah, so. Wow. Yeah. Um, what is so since you've been in Tulsa and we're going to get into other stuff but I guess I'm just personally curious like since you've been in Tulsa what is your daily life been like is it super busy is it really immersed like what's going on it it definitely varies but it's been in the last few weeks it's been pretty busy um I you know now have a studio art space like I I have and so because of that I've kind of made all these projects to work on (laughs) you know um a lot of my work is very self-created and so um I kind of in this year had like a little break between April and um October um and I decided to just fill it with a bunch of stuff (laughs) so as a result I'm like constantly in my studio um yeah and I'm working on the way I work, I feel like it might be stressful to some people, but like I like working on different projects all at once. So I'll have like five projects that I'm working on and I'll do little bits for each one. And yeah. that's kind of how I spend my day. But I've tried to, you know, also find some time to relax and to, you know, not be so go, go, go. Yeah. So find space for my like spiritual practices and for my energetic practices and you know, building community here, all of that, which is also a part of my life too. Yeah. Have you ventured outside of the bubble of the fellowship, like meeting people outside in Tulsa? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. (laughs) Yeah. We're definitely in a bubble here. Um, But I have gone out like yesterday, um, Thaddeus and I, Thaddeus and my partner, we went to like um, a music show and it was like in a community space and we met some of the organizers there um, some we're trying to you know really connect with the community here because it can be very easy there's 60 of us 60 artists and writers oh, wow. so that's a whole community yeah. in and, of and so it can be kind of alluring to just be like these are all our friends and we're all like you know active artists and writers doing stuff but I definitely know that there's so many amazing people here so that's been a big part of the reason even why they brought um, me here was because they saw how much of my work is community engagement. Mm. So now um, I've, I have a project I'm working on in August and September that is going to be at the library, the central library in downtown. Wow. Um, and I might be working with the Centro Hispano, the Hispanic Resource Center too. And then also um, Darius and I are working on like a music showcase that is involved with some community-based musicians. 
and we're hoping to next year potentially like do like a larger community-based festival for like lgbtqia folks that's amazing that is amazing that's so cool do you have anything you want to start with um i kind of wanted to ask you about how the nature or the landscape of your new environment is like affecting your work. I really liked that little piece you created on the twin tornadoes. Um, right. And that's like medicine we would not, that's not on our radar in LA. Yeah. So I just wanted to like see how your, your new and natural or unnatural environment is like coming up in your, in your life. Oh yeah. That's, it's definitely organizing me in a different way. Like I have to think about weather, which I feel like in LA, you rarely think about weather. Like whereas here, like you kind of have to check every day, like, is it going to be a shit show? Like, like, am I going to be okay leaving the house? Like things like that. Um, and, and that's been intense and it's definitely like kind of made me be a lot more flexible and it's, it is inspiring my practice. I love yeah, you know, what you said that the medicine of this land is so potent. It's very um, rich. There's so much water here. It's mm -hmm. almost like they're even having floods. And as a result, like so much of the plant life here is just like booming. And it's like a lot of people having allergies and there's like more people having allergies because there's so many plants like releasing pollen. And I definitely feel that kind of shifting me in many ways and we have lots of birds here that we don't normally have and so I yeah there's I feel like there's definitely many ways like this landscape is really kind of making me rethink a lot of things I wanted to ask also like what is like what is the Latinx community if like like there how does race like how is it popping up in your experiences there? What, what is that like, especially compared to LA where there's such a conversation all the time, like bold activism around like race, especially as it intersects with like art and, you know, queer, queer things. And what is it, how has it been for you? Or what's your observation, I guess? It's very different here. Um, there, the, the Latinx community is kind of segregated into one part of this in the city. And I would say a lot of them don't come out to the area where I live. Mm. Um, and, you know, race in general is very, um, it's a very complex to topic here. There's a lot of stuff that's happened on this land that's really violent and painful. And I feel like the city's barely starting to kind of grapple with that. Wow. And so they've actually gotten, for example, um, some people know about the Tulsa race massacre that happened. There was this like African-American community here that was thriving. They were really rich and they were attacked by the white um, communities here and basically killed. And, you know, there were a few survivors, few of the buildings survived. But and now, you know, I basically live like half a mile south of that area. Yeah. And so the city for a long time tried to hide that and tried to just like not talk about it. But now there's like, there are entire like projects being built around it, trying to honor it, um, trying to create like space for people to process it, like the legacies of it. 
and all, and you know also there are a lot of native communities here that were brought here by force. Uh-huh. They're at the same time they're thriving here and they're very integrated. So and I definitely though like I said I definitely feel that segregation a lot. And so that's been part of why like that for example that project I'm working on in August it's with the Golden Dome and what we're wanting um I decided to work with the energy of the rhizome as a way to try to like bring some healing to some of that segregation and I'm trying to bring different communities together through that process too. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read M. Jackie Alexander's Pedagogy of Crossing? No, I haven't. You, I feel like you would really resonate with that. I haven't read a lot of it. I've only read a chapter or so, or a few chapters that were assigned um, to me in school. But I feel like, um, I don't know, she just, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you should check her out. Oh, definitely, yeah. There's just like a, her conversation, her, her like analysis of like, how the land and the ocean holds the grief of like mass trauma Mm -hmm. and especially when it's trauma inflicted through well the only mass traumas unless if they're natural events are inflicted through oppression um and yeah like talking about i don't know i i i can hear echoes of what you're saying like the work in her work in what you're describing i feel like it might be really relevant yeah i'll put a when we do the show notes for this i'll put a link to her work in there for people to be able to see mm-hmm. yeah right wow that's in, that's really intense um yeah and and one thing i forgot to mention that i think is really potent here too is um i've never experienced storms like they happen here like they happen in a way that is so powerful like there's literally moments where all you hear is thunder just thunder 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 and it sounds like a drum line most wow and you know that rare doesn't happen where we're from yeah there's intense lightning and and it's very chaotic but i definitely feel there is like a relationship i with what you're saying around the land here holding so much grief and and a lot of the money that was made here was also by the petroleum industry. And so to think of like how the petroleum industry has also created like massive grief around the planet. So there's like, I think that's like another piece of it too. Yeah, absolutely. When you talked about, what did you say? That trauma. Uh, Unless if it's natural yeah, disaster. Yeah, if it's natural it's disaster. Oppression. Then it's oppression. But like, the given like the fragileness of our ecosystem of the planet so like even the the response of the natural world are like an expression of oppression because we're in relation with it so it's also like bearing the scars the planet yeah the the natural planet um so the what was i trying to say it made me think of like your your mutant work, Edgar. Like, how do you have compassion for a planet that is that's been like twisted in like in a cellular way or in microscopic or ways that are intangible for us? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it definitely makes me think of why I even created 
I was listening to one of the past um, podcasts, um, I think a couple days ago and like hearing about protection and like, I was like really resonating with that. And, you know, I feel like mutant identity for me is very much protection and it's also survival. It's like, um, it is like a mutation that's happened within myself. Um, yeah, like your question about like, I, I definitely feel like the, the mutations that have happened and are happening on this planet in the ecosystem and in the beings on this planet are connected to oppression. And, you know, and the way that I came to that was like, I, you know, it definitely makes me think of, I had a therapy session once where I like saw myself, I was like in this like cage and I was talking about like, wanting to be an artist, but like working, I was working full time as a social worker and like could barely afford my rent. And I just was like, oh, I have all these dreams, all these things I want to do, but like capitalism keeps like fucking me over. And like, no matter what I do, I'm going to just always have to be like running, trying to stay ahead of this machine. Right. And like, I like saw myself like as this like poor animal. I was a monkey. I was a monkey inside a cage. And that like, really felt like that hopelessness, the like feeling trapped in the system of oppression and violence. And, you know, and then like, I literally felt it was almost like an archangel or like this energy just like kind of picked me up and was like, no, you're a mutant. You have powers. And so it like made me realize that like this like mutant like story that I've had is really connected to me wanting to craft another narrative from all that oppression and that fear and that hopelessness. And so that's definitely a big part of like why I connect to that. It does come from like a place of like hopelessness and it's like how I respond to that hopelessness in a sense. Yeah. It's it's interesting. So a lot of my readings that I've been doing for people in the Akashic records that have been thing that this theme that's been coming up is that, um, people think basically the records are like, you think that you're a duckling, but you're actually a swan. And so you keep looking to others to like validate your experience, but they don't know what it's like to be as, you know, like the, like the ugly duckling, um, story, like you're actually this other thing and there are others like you and there's beauty Mm. and power in what you are. And if you want to focus your perspective on trying to conform that is that is like surely going to bring about like just more pain Mm -hmm. but if you like stop the resistance of who you are that's like where your strength is and that that's been coming up so much Mm -hmm. lately for so many people so i think this to talk about being a mutant and mutations is like people need to hear it you know because this is it's widespread this this awakening to what people are is widespread yeah what has that looked like for both of you how do you embrace being the swan versus the duckling are you trying to ask us what it's like to be a fat person? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I'm just kidding. No. That's a good question. <laughs> a little Tulsa delay right there in the audio. <laughs> um, well, what do you? What do you? 
how would you answer that? It's definitely taken me a long time. Um, I think a lot of my like focus on personal therapy work was about that. It was like really like accepting myself. Um, and also a lot of it has had to do with me kind of slowly being moved more and more into a spiritual path. And, and, and I think the more I've really accepted my identity or my role, because I felt like I was afraid of who I was supposed to be like I got a reading a long time ago then position in a community I feel um and so I I was afraid of that role I was afraid of like what it meant for me to step into my power and I think the more I've like healed parts of myself that have been really scared and sat sat with them connected with them given them what they needed it's really allowed me more and more to feel my power to know that my power is really real and to know that it will alienate me and it will cast me into another another system and then it's kind of like okay well then i'm going to move my energy into this other system now and really you know build another network and the more I've been kind of flowing in this network, I've been meeting other people who are incredibly gifted, who are also men who have abilities, who are finding other ways of knowing, other ways of existing and understanding. And that's been really inspiring to me. But I definitely feel like it wasn't something that was easy. Um, it has like alienated me from like my biological family, for example, like, it's definitely kind of, and I think that's also like being queer. It is like being a queer person has really helped me kind of understand like, yeah, you might be outcast from your entire community for who you are. And that's really painful, but then it also like opens up that possibility of community looking or family looking like something different. So yeah, it's definitely been a journey and I definitely feel like I'm still on it. Yeah. How about you? you? Um, For me, I resonate with a lot of what you said. Like, I've always had, um, like, since I was a kid, like, strong opinions and clear opinions and ideas. And I can see, like, I remember when my grandfather got sick and I had taken, like, a biology class. I don't remember what grade I was in and nobody could diagnose what was going on with him. And I asked just a few questions like, does he have, (laughs) I was like, is he pooping blood? And my mom was like, what? And I'm like, just tell me. And I was like, Oh, he has a, he has an ulcer in his colon. And sure enough, they went back, did the test and he had an ulcer in his colon. Wow. But like, to even ask that question of an elder, like in front of my dad or something would have been like, how dare you, you know, like disrespect that person and talk about something so private and, you know, whatever. And so I just like, I was shamed for being like confidently myself So I like wanted to hide that I had power in any way. I wanted to hide that I had any leadership abilities or hide that I could confidently make decisions. 
Um, but, and so I would try to make myself like invisible and small, but like, I think I responded to what you're saying, like with the, cause what you're describing to me is a hundred percent about fatness, like mm. being in a body that is undeniably seen everywhere I go. Like there's no way I can like hide in a corner anywhere that, that is so indicative of like my inside, my inner voice, but I've tried to quiet that voice. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even, even in, even when I try to be small, I cannot be small and coming into an acceptance of that was, is really hard. And it's, it's currently hard for me because when I say things, when I post a thing, when I say a thing, when I do a workshop, I'm met with love for my voice and that feels uncomfortable because it's been a thing that I've been trying to like hide this whole time. But, but people are like, no, we, I, can I be your assistant? Can I work with you? Can I do? And I, it's really hard for me to, to do that. And then, and then at the same time, I only want other people to find inside of them what I know is inside of me mm. and not need me to prop them up in their journey. I want them to be able to understand that is inside of them too. And so it's, it's sometimes this is, I don't want to sound egotistical at all, but like, I don't want people to need me, but I have a compulsion to talk <laughs> and it makes me again, want to, I just rather stay quiet sometimes, but I, it's like, I can't, I don't know. It's, it is a whole other world. And the Akashic Records, I think I told you this, Jason, like when I was really coming into like my spiritual, whatever, I hate even using that word spiritual, like that is such a garbage word to me at this point. Um, but they showed me this image of me floating in space and I was looking at the earth and then I had to turn my back on the earth and like I had to turn, turn away from the earth because there is nothing for me here that I actually needed. And that was a really like empowering, but lonely image. But I've carried that with me every time I get nervous going into spaces that like, I'm, I'm just visiting. I'm not from here. <laughs> Where do y'all put the recycling? Cause I don't know. I don't know these things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> definitely part of your superpower is saying the things people are afraid to say. Really? You just called spirituality garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I called no the word garbage. Okay. I called <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Me, I... So, like Edgar said, it's definitely... A journey. Um, continuing. Sorry, uh, I'm going to close this window. Okay. Sorry for the noise. I don't know. I felt like I did. Like, from very young, I had the awareness, like, I'm different, but I do not have the language for it. So, not even just in being, like, queer, gay different, but just different in a whole other type of way. And I realized people did not know how to respond to me. And most of their response was, 
not like physically violent, but it like just hands off like this year too. I don't even know how to process you. So I'm just not going to engage. So it was like a forced invisibility. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that there were people who could see me or who were like willing to try. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, had the sense that I was magical because the people I could reveal myself to always enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and they always wanted more. So that's something I try to like remind myself of is like, there are people who can see you. There are people who are trying to see you and the ones who can, they love what they see. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But it's hard to remember. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like what what with what you're saying, it's like it. You know, I really do feel like a lot of our sense of power and belonging is many times affected by our feeling of being seen or our feeling of belonging, like our feeling of being connected to other people. And there's can be some deep wounds that can happen there. And I feel like, as we know, in that space of the wound, there can be like space of the power that can grow out of that too totally. mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah it's such a well okay so here's something for you because I feel like all the things that you're saying right now you very accurately convey through imagery like mm. really concisely is that what is how did you get to be able to do that is that something that you've always like, have you always had that, like, production mind? Have you always been able to encapsulate, like, visually your messages? Like, how, how do you, how did you get there? Um, no, I would say it's pretty, not, it's, it is recent in terms of my life. Um, just kind of just practically, like, a lot of the images I make come from Photoshop. And um, I learned Photoshop when I was in my undergrad, but like I, I kind of was wounded at that time because I had my own ego idea that I was like a contemporary artist and that like contemporary artist is on a hierarchy um, of some sort. And so anyway, what I was in like a class, it was like digital photography and I was learning how to work with Photoshop. And my teacher, you know, at the end of the class, like I turned in my project and he's like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And he said to me like, you're going to be the most incredible graphic designer out there. And that was like, you know, at that time was like a, a big insult to me. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm a contemporary artist. <laughs> <laughs> so for like, I would say for almost a decade, I just like did not use Photoshop. I just like did not connect with it. And it wasn't until about like, five five years ago maybe that I started reworking with Photoshop again um and that's like really kind of there's also like another thing that's come up too is like that's connected to this is like I had a moment where I was like talking about a show I was doing or something and I had posted like a flyer for it and I had gotten like 10 likes or something on my Instagram. And I was like kind of annoyed because I'm like the next day I posted like a selfie and I got like a bunch of likes. And anyway, I talked to a friend about it and my friend was like, well, next time you do a project, just like make a selfie and like post your selfie and talk about your project in your selfie or whatever. 
And it made me kind of rethink about how I saw social media because at that time I saw social media a lot as like, um, you know, it's just like a platform for me to talk about my life. It's just like a place for me to be social. And then, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah but our thing, what happened? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't work the computer around here. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it made me really think, like, realize, like, I guess that I needed to, like, learn how to market myself and, like, learn how to communicate and convey exactly what I want, you know. And, like, and also, like, how to, like, really work with my ability to um, divine because I feel like a lot of my, like, imagery comes from, like, moments of divination or insight or dreams yeah. and, like, really kind of seeing those as valid places of knowledge or awareness has really also brought like a very different element to my life. Um, yeah. So there's been like a lot of different things that have kind of helped me get to this point where I'm able to communicate things effectively. And I think also, I guess part of it too, I, I want to name is that my moon is in Scorpio and I feel like that I do have like an ability to like go directly to the core of something um. and I feel like that's that's like I had a, an intuitive tell me a long time ago like you're gonna have something happen in your life where you're gonna meet people and they're gonna see that you can really see them and some of them are gonna be so happy and they're gonna want to connect with you and they want to want you to see them and some people are gonna just run away from you I want to have nothing to do oh, with you yes and and so, like, and so I think that's also connected to that like, ability yeah. to just, like, name something, see something, and just find a way to really concisely, like, put it, put it out there. That made my eyes water. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, like, so when you're talking about marketing yourself, that's, like, that is, like, there that is the same as like finding your power as a mutant, like mm. being able to like create the narrative that is authentic to you. That doesn't make you compromise yourself that will attract people to what you're doing. The ones who need to be attracted, you know, I feel like that it is exactly like maybe a, like there needs to be like a mutant's guide to marketing. Like it, it's like <laughs> finding the the love of yourself as this other thing. Mm. And then um, I don't want to say capitalizing on it or exploiting it, but like feeling, I guess like the openness to like use that as the, the point of hustle, like, like the, the, the convergence point for work and I don't know. It, it makes me think of like a long time ago, like a core belief I held was that I was different and I did not belong. Mm. And that was like a big belief that really held me back and gave me so much pain. And I feel like a lot of my healing has been around saying I am different and I belong. Mm. And I think that kind of has created like a new pathway for me where I realized like my difference is a beautiful strength. It's a, it's a powerful thing to share and also to invite people into as opposed to feeling like defensive about it or combative or feeling afraid to show it. It's more of like the more I show how much of a freak I am, 
yeah. the more I meet the other freaks and realize that totally. I'm not alone. I'm actually a part of a huge community that's like yeah. interdimensional and galactic, you know? Yeah. 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 I have this, I don't know, vision right now. At first, when I we were talking about this, I saw like someone raising a flag on a mountain, but that felt like ownership. So then as you're talking, I just see Edgar like under a tree that has been adorned, <laughs> like yeah. beautiful colors, beautiful charms hanging down. And it's a, it's a gathering port, point, but not a, not like a trying to hoard. Like not owning other people or owning the narrative or yeah, owning, exactly. yeah. Yeah, you just, you like shine the light and people find the beacon that resonates with mm-hmm. them and then go toward it. And then, but I think, okay, so one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is the people that run away. (laughs) I, (laughs) and how, so I've been talking to Jason about this a lot, but like the idea that of like being a fat person and how for so many people in this world, that is just disgusting. They feel disgust. Mm-hmm. when and so like what I was told though growing up is that you don't want anyone to feel disgust at you you want people to love you and accept you and so you better change the way you are so that people will love you and accept you and I've just recently like in the last couple months like started thinking about how just my physical presence alters other people's states of being and if they if their response is to feel disgust, then keep going down that rabbit hole, you guys. Like, feel it more. Mm-hmm. Go so deeply into disgust because it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. And it's not that I want other people to suffer or feel terrible, but it is that my presence reminds other people how scared they are of like losing love or losing self acceptance or, mm-hmm. you know, and then especially to like, go into a space happily and confidently and like proudly and like wearing a crop top and like, you know, doing things that they don't have the, the security, the self-assuredness to do in that moment that they couldn't do it no matter. And it has nothing to do with what anyone's bodies look like. It's just like their response, you know, like, but I am, so they're in their response to you reveals more about themselves. Absolutely. About it does. Cause if you're filled up with self love of whoever you are, whatever you are, you're never going to seek to harm others. Like if you're mm. filled up with like, if you're filled to the brim with love, there is no, I don't think there is a, I, I don't know. Cause how, how are we going to ever prove this? But my hypothesis is that you don't seek to harm others when you're filled with love. And so, those people that run away, I don't want to say I enjoy it, but I'm going to say I enjoy it at this point. (laughs) It's been like, (laughs) does that make sense? Like without wanting people to feel bad. Yeah. I, I invite you because like at the core of disgust, I'm realizing is beauty. Like Mm. at the core core, like you can only get so disgusting until you realize this is a beautiful mutation. Like this is a beautiful, right. beautiful thing. 
So keep feeling disgust, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. And, and I'm glad that, to hear that you're not taking it on yourself. You're really allowing yourself to see it as like, that is something this person is holding on to, not me. It has nothing to do with me. I'm living yeah. here. As I said, I'm going here with my prop prop. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. You know, and you're holding on to that. Because I think for a long time, I also was hurt when people would run away from me. And I feel like now I do understand it as like, yeah, it's, it, it's not connected to me. It's not who I am. It's more they're having their experience, you know? And that's, in a sense, it, it can be powerful magic to allow someone to have their experience, right? And to even invite them to go deeper into their experience. Because there's a reason why people feel afraid, feel like they have to hide, feel disgust. Like, there is definitely kind of calling to something within themselves. Obviously, it's not your work to do that unless they're paying you, right? Or whatever, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's 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 an it's an interest it, i don't also feel like this is um i feel like this is a growth spurt that i've had into this way of thinking i don't feel like i'm gonna hold on to this way of thinking forever i think i'm gonna probably move past it and more into a more compassionate place for other people but but right now i i have been enjoying it's been like a feeling of like liberation in my body, like a feeling of liberation to like, not just not care, but like relish that other people are going through their things when they see me, even when mm. I don't talk to them. Yay. That's, that's like a mutation right there that you've <laughs> undergone. <right? laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So that's I really know. helpful to me. I remember I, I shared with Leah, a couple months ago, I was at this bar on, in Venice, and never in one night had so many people said to me, don't touch me, when I was just walking past them or, like, trying to make my way through the crowd. Like, men, women, like, it wasn't one type of person. It was just a lot. It was more than five, like, and I don't know. There wasn't a feeling of, like, disgust, but of a strong repulse repulsiveness and so when I left that space I didn't stay for long but I just felt so much rage and I was like you'd be lucky to have me touch you yeah (laughs) I don't know um but that was a very I didn't feel like a a a deep response it's just reactionary yeah um so hearing your (laughs) unpacking having you unpack that is like (laughs) oh yeah like there's something I don't know. It wasn't personal to me. Something wasn't resonating. My presence was making them feel some things that they didn't like. Yeah. Um, but that's their lesson to learn. They're learning something in their response to us. And you're, and we're me. learning how powerful just our presence is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's so, that's profound because I think like what I was taught my whole life was, your presence is not welcome anywhere. So make yourself so small that no one notices. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of like ancestral healing going on there too. Cause mm-hmm. that, those are all beliefs of hiding from colonialism. Those are all beliefs of like trying to escape 
you would, you know, you know, death at the hands of like, you know, colonizers. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all feel, so with this like sense, newer or older sense of power, do you feel like you've had to like temper that power to where it's, you're not just yielding it just to show off or like to cause harm or cause you're in pain? Like how do you, how do you find the balance in like discovering new power about yourself? Hmm. What do you think, Edgar? Yeah, I definitely had to like work with my abilities. I think I think you know having powers is it definitely there's a lot of responsibility, and I think um, I to think of like my shadow work that I've done on myself, like you know one of my gifts and powers that I have is, and I I use it a lot in my like healing work and my energy work is that I can be very persuasive and. I know because, you know, being intuitive, I know what people need from me in many ways or what would be helpful in the moment. And when I was younger, I definitely, because of my own trauma, um, I would use that in a way that was not, like, for the highest good. Like, for example, like, you know, I, I, I like, was, I, like, have a background of, like, sexual abuse in my life and, for a while, like, I was, like, literally going out to straight bars, to strip clubs, and I was, like, looking for straight men that I, like, knew I was going to, like, get, you know? And I, like, would use my abilities, and I would make it happen. But it was, a lot of it was coming from a really wounded place of, like, feeling powerless and feeling like if I'm able to, like, basically, you know, the perp- make the perpetrator my victim with my abilities, then, uh, then I'm full again. And it wasn't until like, I did some of that shadow work and was like, Oh, wow. Like I'm really using my abilities for evil in many ways, like to recreate some trauma, right? Like you can say it that way. Yeah. Um, but it was also a part of my healing journey too. Right. It was a part of me getting to a place where I was like, okay, I'm not power. I do have abilities. I am able to do stuff. And so I feel like, that's really kind of made me understand more and more like how much of a responsibility it is to have the ability to have and to work in a way that feels ethical to myself. I don't feel like I've gotten to use my powers for evil too much because I've been too afraid. (laughs) 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 Um, But I can feel, I can, I know that I have an ability to persuade people to do things and if it's not done for the for a good reason then that is manipulation so i i know that and i know that um i sometimes wonder if i don't use my authenticity as a bargaining chip sometimes um, because I know that I, I'm really comfortable talking about, like, talking about fatness, talking about, um, you know, sexual molestation or assault, like, that I've experienced, um, and I know a lot of people are not comfortable talking about it, and I know that when I talk about it, it gives those people permission 
to feel vulnerable and mm. talk about it. And I know that when you give people permission to be themselves, they might feel love for you or want to be near you. And I, I can feel that happen sometimes. Um, just in, in the response that I've had as a classroom teacher, as a manager or a director of like staff, um, doing workshops, being in the public eye. Um, there are people that have had experience, you know, clients that have experienced like really big traumas or, you know, this thing happened in my life or I was in this car accident and the first person they call is me. And I'm like, Ooh, you, you should probably first call the cops. Then don't call the cops. First call your mom, you know, for, you know, like call the people, you know, but, but I, I've somehow have a placeholder in their affections and I can see that that is a scary influence to me right now. It feels scary and I'm trying to understand how to be that person naturally and how to empower other people to, again, not, not need me to feel that in themselves mm. so that they can feel it in themselves. But I definitely have an awareness of that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I <laughs> it's okay if you want to just say that you're a nice person that doesn't ever manipulate people. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine that me and Edgar just disclose like all this stuff about us. Like <laughs> you still got away with like not really sharing anything. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I don't know. Well, because I don't really know what it, what my abuser power looks like. It it's interesting also to talk about. So, like, I've had this conversation. Like, when I, when I was a classroom teacher, and I would have pr primarily like black and brown male students, cis straight male students were like my the bulk of my student student body. Um, and so I would always want to talk to them about like. <clears throat> you know, gender abuse and gender oppression and body oppression and gender mm -hmm. and other ways of representing your gender and sexuality and things like that. And for a lot of them who are like, their first response was like, I can't have a, I can't like be oppressive, uh, oppressive because I'm also black and brown a black oh. or brown male. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, 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 I, you know, sure women or femmes are like, you know, abused in the streets, but like in my neighborhood, you get banged on every day. I can't cross this one street. I can't go here or there. So how is that fair? And I think like that is a real, I want to say that that's a basic conversation for the three of us because we talk about the intersections of our identities probably or think about them a lot. But I know that there are a lot of people that might listen to this and like their construction of or their analysis of who they are and their power in, in society might not be apparent to them because of who, who they are socially. 
like what their social identities are. Yeah. It's hard to think that when you experience oppression in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lesson I feel I was really fortunate to learn early on only because someone called me out just direct a close friend she said to me i think it was 19 she's like just because you're gay doesn't mean you have male privilege Mm -hmm. and the just the one line like totally checked me and i have never forgot it yeah yeah but even just the message was teaching but also the I don't know, the way, that way to look at things was such a valuable lesson. Um, But while you're talking, I realized how I abuse power or like. Oh, you want to share now? (laughs) I do, because I didn't know. (laughs) I had to really think about it. Um, So being, I, I know that there have been people in my life who really like want me and like enjoy me. So ways I've hurt them is by being withholding of myself. And so like, I had a friend who didn't talk to me one day because I didn't know why. And I was like, okay, I will never talk to you again. And then you never did. And I never did. Oh what my a God. Mean, mean, mean <laughs> little teenager. Jeez. <laughs> and it ends up just hurting you. <laughs> like it hurts. It hurts, but all of us. Even at the time, I was like, "Okay, well, I win." <laughs> You're like, "I stand by my choice." It was like, "You, you will miss me more than I will ever miss you." Oh, wow! That's. <laughs> so if you're seeking a friendship with Jason, just know <laughs> I will never talk to you again. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I think that like. Abuse of power always stems from a sense of powerlessness. Yeah. Like no matter what. I mean, that's like, I just read, um, I mean, he's highly problematic, but I just read Eric Fromm's authoritarian character description. And that's like one of the core things is like the authoritarian figure is at their core insecure and powerless, Mm. feels powerless. And Mm. so it, it just like, it just goes back to like all of the things that all of the things that are harm, like things that cause harm are rooted in trauma themselves in pain. I think that that's like the, the sacred medicine that can be found in the shadow and in working with that pain and the fears is that there's, there is a uh, almost like I would say a call to power or a call to transform Mm-hmm. that is many times being kind of asked of the person, but they're trying to meet that need in another way, right? Yes. And and I think that that is one of the gifts that like comes from actually like looking at that part of yourself that maybe isn't exactly who you quote-unquote want to be or whatever, yeah. is that there is like something there that's missing or something that's needed. And it also means like you're in many ways meant to evolve and transform into something else, right? Absolutely. And and that can be scary because it means letting go of the sense of identity or sense of like yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's in my experience, it's been really ungrounding because it requires like 
such a radical shift in how you see all the relationships of the world. So you're feeling like you have no compass and no way of navigating anymore yeah. because what you believed was so false. Yeah. Um, but that's also exciting to learn how to see the world again. Yes. Like in a more horizontal fashion. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that have has been really coming up for me since I've been studying eco-psychology is how we enact and we, I don't even have a consciousness over, I don't, I'm not even have, I don't have an awareness of this, but like enacting powerlessness through dominion over nature. And of course, like I could point to big things like, yeah, deforesting the Amazon in Brazil and Bolsonaro and all of the harm that this one individual is doing. Like I can see that it's a very clear example, but even just like my fear of bugs and that we have like bug spray and like (laughs) that I will snuff out another being's life because I am disgusted because I'm disgusted. Uh, Oh God, Leah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And it comes and it comes from powerlessness. And I, I like really struggle. I really struggle with bugs, you guys. Um, And I've had to, open the records on this and I've had to like really check myself on how I don't own this space and why do I think I have dominion over who can live what can live in this space yeah like why am I okay with spiders and not cockroaches like why am I okay with you know cats and not rats cats and not rats yeah I would have a rat though I I mean I don't want a vermin but I would have a pet rat for sure (laughs) But even calling them vermin, calling certain plants weeds, mm. it's a it is a colonial it's a judgment. Judgment, yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm, yeah, I remember. I was probably like five. I'd always ask my grandpa if I could water the grass, and most of the times I just wanted to kill ants. <laughs> 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 and I remember having that, like, feeling powerful, feeling big. Yeah. Because um, also I felt, like, very powerless in my little kid life. Yeah. Uh, so then, like, digging into that, uh, as I had to learn that people and life is not disposable. Yeah. So in my withholding from people and, like, icing them out, that's disposing of them. Yeah. And that's cruel. Yeah. So that's the fruit from my shadow work. Like life is is yeah. valuable and cannot be disposed of. Yeah. On a whim. Yeah. And even if so, but the like what the Akashic records teach us, and this is like Wendell Linda House big teachings, is like even death cannot dim the purpose of that life. Like Mm. each of those ants came into being with an intention and on purpose. And even you killing them, even me killing whatever bug in my house does not diminish the light of that soul of that being. Yeah. You cannot kill the unkillable thing. And nothing is killable, truly. Wow. Right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a writer. <laughs> just because I ain't in school don't mean I don't go to school. I don't know that. I'm not the authority here, but yeah. 
Um, yeah. We've been talking for quite a while, but I wanted us to just, if there's any last thoughts, but I also want us to just go around and share ways that we, like right now we're powerless to the sounds of the dump truck, that's the trash truck that's taking the dumpsters away. Um, it's so loud. <laughs> so loud. Jason explicitly, I was like, where do you want to record? And he's like, anywhere quiet. I'm like, okay, come to my house. <laughs> um, but just sharing practical ways or things that you do in your practice that remind you of your power, that help you feel grounded in your power, especially like you like you're in a space that is not you're not indigenous to the space of Tulsa you know like you're in someone else's home essentially not that it can't be your home too how do you ground yourself there how do you feel empowered in new spaces what are some of the things that you do Mm. I can definitely talk about um I definitely do a lot of like grounding work and like kind of energetic work like visualization work um whenever I'm in a new space and I also, I make room for myself to feel uncomfortable, like that that's like part of the process, <laughs> like feeling uncomfortable, especially in big spaces or new spaces or spaces with lots of people. I think kind of reframing the language or the way of looking at it, like I've many times kind of felt like, oh my gosh, why am I so anxious? But then you know, now I really see it as, like, I'm a highly sensitive mutant that, like, goes into a space and picks up everyone's energy and just, like, just starts to download so much. And so, you know, learning, like, okay, what do I need to do? Like, I need to, like, shut off all my perceptive stuff or, like, get it into a place where I'm only reading what I need to read or give my body some time to adapt, you know? Or even, like, feeling... Yeah, like feeling like it's okay, for example, if I'm in a space and I'm new and I really just like need to talk to someone to get grounded, like being like, that's like what I need to be able to then from there move on into the larger community. And so just like understanding that, acknowledging that has been really powerful because I feel like it would cause me a lot of pain before. Just like, why are you doing this? So like on top of already feeling uncomfortable, I would then start like to berate myself or just to get like upset about the situation and so instead now I'm just like accept it like that's just you know I know for example like I know when I'm new in the space I'm gonna feel uncomfortable like that's how it is and and that's really just helped me kind of understand that and normalize that as like that's part of the process and um and so like kind of going back to what you asked about being here um I think a big part of it has been like building those networks connecting with people really helps me feel like I belong here because I'm not being isolated and only hanging out in like the artist fellowship and not talking to people. Like I'm trying to really get to understand how the community here thinks since I've been meeting people of different communities, really focusing a lot on the indigenous communities here because I think that's a huge gift that I have here is to be able to connect with the indigenous communities. Um, Cause I feel like I definitely have a lot to learn and being open to that and being open to connecting has is really helping me feel more like I belong here. And, and at the same time, knowing that, you know, I do see myself as like, um, in some ways, like a nomadic person, but also 
understanding that like part of my like dream of being like an artist or being like a cultural producer is to be able to have networks and webs all over the planet and to and to connect with people all over the place because I do feel like that's a big part of my magic and a big part of my mutant power is to like bring things together and so I'm trusting in Goddix and Gaia that I'm being kind of brought to the right places and and that there's like that I think it's a big kind of big part of my like mutant power is like no matter what life throws at me I'm like, oh, thank you. This is the big part of my gift or big part of my journey. I, maybe I don't understand it in this moment, but like, this is what I, this is medicine. Like, so just really like transmuting whatever comes at me. And I think that's been a huge power that has really helped me. Um, yeah, still have that hope and, and also build something in the midst of maybe chaos and destruction. Like be like, okay, what is being formed in the midst of all of this? That's beautiful. Everything's a gift in your kaleidoscopic mutant spider web. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. What about you? Uh, I, I took an inventory of what I know. So last year, mm-hmm. when everything happened to my dad, I felt so powerless, completely useless, powerless. So I had to. I just told myself, this is not the thing to kill you. What do you know? I was like, I know plants. I know crystals. I know that I can access like huge wisdom by pulling this card. So I just had to remind myself of like, I'm, I'm not as lost as I think I am. And I have more tools that um, I can reach for than are coming to mind right now. Yeah. And then I had to like just like just keep it going it's like what do i know i know that that plants and animals tell me that the earth is compassionate and if the earth is compassionate so is the universe so like just following this thread and then to the point of where like like what i know is that i don't know if i don't know then nobody else knows so we're just all not knowing and it's fine <laughs> <laughs> Like there's no, yeah. there's no, it just like deflates the fear in that powerless moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's a very simple thing to do. Yeah. Um, but also it forces you to acknowledge like the, that like you're like, like you're connected and you're not just a little particle floating away. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It really, it served me well. Yeah. What about you? Um, when I feel powerless or when I feel ungrounded, it's usually because, and I was just mentioning this to you, it's usually because I've bought into a crisis or what is perceived as a crisis. Mm. And sometimes other people's crises are not my crisis, crises but I buy into it anyway. And then I get wrapped up in that whirlpool. And then I believe the world is chaos. And, and I go into like crisis mode where you're in constant, you know, stress and um, survival mode. And that's usually when I am the most ungrounded. Um, So even if it's like, first date a new job or I'm going to do this workshop in a space I've never been to or 
I have like a meeting with someone who wants to work with me, but I don't know them. Um, even simple things like that. Sometimes it is like a full crisis thing where people are like, this happened and that, and I don't know what to do. And there's a fire and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we, I do need to snap into like crisis mode to respond. But like, sometimes I get bought into the narrative. I can hear my dad's voice telling me like what I need to be on that first day at a new job, what I need to be like in that meeting. And usually what he's telling me that I need to be is not my authentic self. Uh, And so then and I can get caught up in that voice if, and then I need to like chill out. And then I need to ask myself, who am I? What do I know? What is like, and then like my big thing is like, what am I feeling right now? Mm. And why am I feeling it? Is it that I'm nervous? Cause there's an unknown element here. Okay. And then like, I'm going to sit in the discomfort. Is it that I really should avoid this thing because it's not, my intuition is telling me don't do this. Um, and it looks like crisis. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So now I'm going to not do this. You know, like I, I have to parse out what, where that response is coming from. Um, but I usually, (laughs) I, I, I do try to like, remember I will, (laughs) I have such a big head, man. Um, just remember like who I am. Like, remember my name. Remember Mm. I live with this person who's my boyfriend. We've been together this long. I've been doing this work a while. I worked in education for 20 years. Like (laughs) you can't, I might not know some things, but you can't shake me. Read your resume. Yeah. Read myself my resume. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, and that's not to like, you know, sit on my laurels or like, you know, be in some like pedestal but um but just to remember that like I don't I do know some things in situations Mm -hmm. I I'm not coming with as an empty vessel to something um and then even and then like even if I was that's okay too to to be a blank you know canvas in a new situation is okay too and not only okay but what a gift to be able to enrich my life with this learning that's about to happen. Mm. So I kind of have to like do the base stuff first. Like, Oh, you have a, such a bad stomach ache that you feel like you're going to throw up. Let's deal with that before we can get to that beauty and learning portion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, and then also um, talking to people and finding out like, they don't know too. They also don't know. And we all don't know. Yeah. No one knows and nothing is happening. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because we package things in a way that is so, um, I think it's like, it's to incite frenzy. So like the way people like will post on Instagram, like, can't wait to share this big news with you guys. Like, okay, what you you have a website. Cool. Like, you know, like it's, it's like, it ends up being like, Oh, that's not a thing. But the way we package things is to incite this response. This almost like a powerlessness in others so that they will need us and love us. Oh God. Yeah. At first I was just going to call you a jerk, but you really brought it back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all. Yeah. But and yeah, underneath all that is that we just all want to be loved and all be accepted. Aww. Yeah. 
any other things before we wrap up? This has been such a joy. Yeah, it was so fun. We should just do this for fun. I would like to <laughs> have some these times for fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, well, are you can is there anything that you want people to um check out that you're working on? Do you want to share your um channels for communication? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, people can find me on Instagram at, at Edgar Fabian Frias all together um, or our underscore sacred underscore web, our sacred web. And um, I'm also on Facebook um, under my name. And I think one of the things I want to invite, if people are um, interested, I have an art show at Vincent Price Art Museum that's up until July 20th. Um, that's called Perpetual Flowering, and there's some really sacred flower essences that I made in collaboration with C1O, who's like an herbalist um, healer. Um, and I'm going to be in Los Angeles on July 20th uh, doing some programming as well. Cool. Um, and yeah, and I. Yeah, and I'm just like really grateful to like have been able to spend this time with you both. And, you know, I really feel like I've mutated throughout this conversation. <laughs> and um, I feel like there's some like nuggets here that I'm like kind of sitting with from this conversation that I'm going to be, yeah, maybe journaling about or writing about because there's definitely some like imagery and just some things that came up that I'm just like, yeah, that like is something really good to like focus on. So thank you. Me too. Yeah. 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 We can't wait to bring power crystals to Tulsa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we want to do a whole Midwestern tour. <laughs> oh my gosh! That's so exciting. Um, well, that's what know. Yes. Yeah, that would be fun. That'd be really cool. Um. Also, I saw that on your thread list that you were now doing the pillows, and I'm definitely buying oh, them. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I really want the shower curtain. Yes, <laughs> yes please. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. I really appreciate it. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. I love yeah, it. Yeah, thank time. you for sharing your power crystal essence. You have so much of it. And I don't know, I'm excited for people to, to hear this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thank you so much for organizing this. Yay. I hope we could do it again. Yeah. yeah okay. Let's do it again. Okay, cool. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye Edgar. Power Crystals, we have a really exciting announcement for you. Yes. So exciting. If you want to meet We Are Power Crystals, we're going to be set up at the next Witch Walk in downtown Santa Ana. Our homie, the High Priestess. Just put it together. She's, She's organized this yeah. incredible event that's going to be monthly on the third Saturday of every month. You can find us on July 20th. It's from 5 to 10 p.m. If you go to at Witch Walk DTSA, you can get all of the information. But we're going to be there with all of our goodies, and we're ready to meet other power crystals. So please come through. Yeah, it's going to be super cute. I'm so excited to see what this is about. Yeah, it's an amazing. I went to the first one, and it was, I was really happily surprised at how 
brown and queer it was mm. and how witchy it really truly was coven yeah. of ashes did a performance Ooh, yeah. it was really cool yeah cool all right we'll see y'all there and that was it big thank you to edgar for joining we are power crystals what an honor what a privilege yeah thank you edgar it's such a pleasure to get to speak with edgar they always bring such a perspective and like confidence with their story and it helps me always to feel confident in my story and i just am really appreciative for all the time that um, we get to spend together so i hope you have enjoyed this this um, conversation yeah thank you you know what uh I was going to say, if you want to connect with Edgar, mm-hmm. we're going to post all of their links on in the show notes. And we're also going to post a link to their show at the Vincent Price Art Museum. If you're in L.A., mm-hmm. we highly suggest you go check it out. It's running um, through July, I believe. That's going to be there. Cool. If you want to reach out to us, you can hit us up at We Are Power Crystals on Instagram. You can find me, Leah, at crystals of altamira on instagram or crystals of altamira.com where can people find you jason uh find me jason at blurs botanics on ig blurrosbotanics.com got all my classes listed there you can order some sprays and oils now Bye. one more thing oh wait jk <laughs> don't go anywhere we're planning a giveaway and we don't know when but we're going to be choosing the winners from people that write reviews for us on itunes so if you feel inclined, and the, 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 pri- the, the giveaway prize is going to be a reading from me and some products that are magically, ritually crafted by Jason to help with your healing journey. Um, so if you are inclined, if you go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And we will, when we get, um, when we configure the right time for this um, giveaway, we will be sure to... Enter your name into it. Cool. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> and we'll see it's you. Exciting. We'll see you next time. Bye, y'all.